It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I do this all day. This is Comic Cast on PodcastArena.com. Here's your geeks, John Lee and Michael Carroll. Oh, hello there, Internet. Welcome to issue 469 of Comic Cast. I'm Michael Carroll alongside John Lee. John, how are you? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. I'm, I'm, I'm having a good first of the week Monday uh, sort of deal and but then I got this AMC news that I want to share mm. with you. AMC theater news which is interesting uh, so we'll get into that and then obviously we'll get into The Last of Us episode 4 uh, full spoiler review but first you can follow us on social media I'm at producer Mike 975 and I am at one punch you can rate, review, share, subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms five stars that'd be really cool really appreciate it uh, Jong, like I said, we were going to talk about The Last of Us, but literally, as like I was setting up, I saw this news from AMC Theaters, which is AMC Theaters to change movie ticket prices based on seat location. And I was like, uh-oh. And sure enough, it's what I was afraid of. Uh, when you look at the, um, at the article, it says, at your next visit to AMC Theaters, getting a prime seat may cost you a little extra. The country's largest exhibition chain, exhibition, uh, exhibition chain, is rolling out Sightline at AMC, a ticket pricing initiative based on seat location within the auditorium. Similar to music concerts, sporting events, or Broadway, moviegoers will have the option to pay more or less for admission depending on where they choose to sit in the venue. In effect, front row seats will be available at a lower price, while seats in the middle of the theater will be available at a higher price. And apparently this initiative kicks off on Friday at select AMC locations in New York, Kansas City, and will be expanded to all domestic AMC locations by the end of the year. Um, and then one last thing, there will be three different seat pricing options. The first is standard sight line, described as the seats that are the most common in auditoriums and are available for the traditional cost of a ticket. Then there's value sight line referred to as seats in the front row of the auditorium, as well as select ADA seats in each auditorium and are available at a lower price than standard sightline seats. Uh, value sightline pricing is only available to AMC Stubbs members, including the free tier membership. 
The third option is preferred sight line, which are the seats in the middle of the auditorium and are priced to a premium to standard sight line seats. AMC Stubbs A-list members will be able to reserve seats in the preferred sight line section at no additional cost. Huh. Interesting. What, what do you think of this, John? I hate it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I get it. I understand that, you know, there are certain things that, you know, certain companies, certain things and other aspects of, you know, like entertainment and stuff like that, where you can get preferred seating, seating and um, cost uh, extra. I'm wondering how much extra. Like, are we are we talking about like, you know, I and I think the movie ticket price also differs from theater to theater. You know, I think mm-hmm. <clears throat> in my experience, I think Tinseltown <clears throat> probably has the most friendly. In terms of uh, uh, ticket pricing, you know, they're, they're, I think, what, Tuesdays are like five bucks or something. I, I, I think they're still doing that. Um, and you can get, you know, a good eight, eight bucks for a movie ticket on a, uh, on a middle of the week towards the, towards the weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, Edwards is kind of on the pricey end. And I know AMC and Cinemark, I think, are, are kind of, I think AMC Cinemark and Regal, which is Edwards, I think they're kind of on the same playing field, you know, 10 to 12 bucks a ticket. So I'm wondering where their ticket pricing is going to fall. Like, is the premium going to be like 12 to $15? Is the basic ticket price, which are pretty crappy seats, is that going to be like your normal standard ticket now? Which I think that'd be a ripoff. If you're going to give, yeah, yeah, if you're going to tell, if you're going to tell me, the uh, standard ticket, you know, towards the front and probably onto the side. If you're going to tell me, hey, we've lowered those ticket prices, which I don't think they're going to do, which greedy ass company is ever, ever going to lower ticket prices. There no, no, not even ticket prices in general. Any service will never, ever lower ticket, pr- lower prices. It always increases. They may start low, um, but eventually you know, like Netflix and, you know, HBO Max and uh, Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus, they're all going to increase. If you're going to tell me those ticket prices on the ends and towards the front are going to be like seven, eight bucks, then I can understand. And then if your preferred seating is 12 bucks, I don't have that much of a problem with it. But if you're going to tell me those, you know, regular general mission ticket towards the ends in in the front are going to start at $12. I'm going to just get out of here, man. Like, and then if your preferred seating is going to be 15, 16, $17, that's, that's ludicrous to me. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Uh, I do want to add this part in regards to sightline at AMC. Uh, They're expected to offer a detailed seat map that outlines each seating option during the ticket purchase process online or the app or at the box office. And Sightline at AMC is applied to all show times that begin after 4 p.m. at participating locations. It's not applicable on discount Tuesdays when all movie tickets are discounted to $5. Um, And the I wanted to read this. Elliot. Hamlish, executive VP and CMO at AMC Theaters, 
He said, quote, Sightline at AMC more closely aligns AMC's seating pricing approach to that of many other entertainment venues, offering experience-based pricing and another way for moviegoers to find value at the movies. While every seat at AMC delivers an amazing moviegoing experience, we know there are some moviegoers who prioritize their specific seat and others who prioritize value moviegoing. Sightline AMC accommodates both sentiments to help ensure that our guests have more control over their experience so that every trip to an AMC is a great one. How does that give us more control? You're just charging us more. <laughs> no, that's I mean that's a PR spin. That's yeah. that's purely what it is. Like there's like like you said, like I mean like I said, if your prices are much much cheaper on the ends and, and towards the front, I don't have that much of a problem with it. If you're going to charge a normal ticket price, then I have a huge think about this. And, and I mean, just on, on a personal thing, I I've, I don't have AMC's close to me, and I haven't gone to AMC Theater in a very hot minute. But my fear is that this is going to trickle into the other chains. Yeah, that would be my fear, too. I don't I, – I'm like you. I think there's an AMC – somewhat close to me but i don't i don't go i usually go to regal i go to regal cinemark or tinseltown or then one of the other ones like alamo draft house or something like that where you can get food and all um but i very rarely go to amc anymore and this just kind of solidifies that i probably won't be going to a to an amc anytime soon yeah um it's i i want to see what the prices are before I do a complete, you know, reaction to it. I, I want to temper my expectations a little bit. I want to give them a, a little grain of dignity just to just to make sure that, you know, those ticket prices that are, you know, your regular regular emission ticket prices are going to be um, cheaper. I don't think that's going to be the case, but I want to give AMC a little shred of, you know, dignity on this this issue and and when when they say like oh all the seats offer a a great like entertainment experience or whatever it's like do they though no just now no you're obviously not they they're charging more for the premium spots of course they they, like that makes no sense no not even that though like who unless unless you can't your vision is really bad who wants to sit in the very front like no yeah, one. unless you want to have a pain in your neck the rest of the, the day or whatever. Yeah, you can't enjoy the movie where you're in the front. There's no point of getting those seats. Yeah, I got stuck in the, what was it, the Bumblebee screening that I got back in 2018. I got stuck in the front row at the corner. Ooh. And I, that movie, I just, I couldn't. I couldn't really experience that movie, really. I just saw it from that angle, and it was, like, not a great experience at all. And, yeah, no, that's – that sh- which those types of seats better be, like, five bucks or something because mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. You yeah. can't – I mean, you can't appreciate the movie at that point. Yeah, if you're going to charge more for the, you know, middle, middle, middle seats, middle, 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 upper seats, you have to charge cheaper for the bottom, middle, bottom, left, right, everywhere bottom, right? Like, it, you just have to. But yeah. that, but they don't operate like that. No, like I'm not not, not they as in like AMC, but just just companies in general. They don't operate like that. Right. Like Netflix isn't going to come back to you and be like, "Oh, uh, you want to share passwords? We're you know we we'll let you share passwords for two dollars extra a month." Or, hey, how about we take your you know fifteen ninety nine 
package and we'll give you the same amount and we'll drop it back down to seven ninety nine. That's that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Uh, well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see with AMC how it goes. The rollout begins this week at some of those select theaters and then later as the year progresses, it'll be expanded out to other locations. So we'll see those pricing pricings very sooner. Well, sooner rather than later, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, but let's jump into The Last of Us, Episode 4. As always, spoilers ahead. So if you haven't watched Episode 4 of The Last of Us, uh, you might want to skip ahead. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. You've been warned, right? Episode 4, The Last of Us, premiered last night. Please hold to my hand. Jong, this one to me reminded me most of like the video game in, in, in a sense in terms of gameplay mechanics just because of the way the action sequence was handled. And it reminded me a, a bit of, of the game in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, we get them basically. I mean, I think we both called this when we had that, you know, emotional roller coaster of episode three. And then we were like, there, there's no place to go but ramp up the the action and intensity, and that's what they did. Even though it it didn't, it was in an all out intense episode. The, they did a good balance of giving you the action that you needed. Um, since we really didn't get any action since episode two, we got a very very brief one in episode three, and so episode four balances the relationship between Ellie and Joel, and then the action that they get in Kansas City, which um, if you guys played the game is different from um, where they go. They go to Pittsburgh, I believe, in the video game. And then this one, they go to Kansas City, which and I think they they explain it in the post uh, show little blurb. They basically said, hey, like the, the site that we're shooting at looks more like Kansas City than it does Pittsburgh. So let's just change it. There was no reason or rhyme other than that. They changed it. And it kind of makes sense. You're kind of traveling west and not going not not going like south. So you're kind of tra- traveling, uh, what, southwest instead. So it, it makes sense. And then they introduced us to a couple of new characters. One of which, um, I, I think, one of which played Tommy in the in the actual video game. I forget his name. Yeah. Um, uh, which Pierce, was he plays uh, the actors. I forget the actor's name, but Pierce is the guy in the the character name. Yeah, which is awesome. I love that they're bringing back uh, actors and actresses that have voiced roles in the video game and give them either Marlene or. Uh, this new character that they've written alongside Kathleen. So I, I, I enjoyed the episode. Um, it, uh, you know, different pacing. And I love the relationship building between Joel and Ellie. They, she finally gets him to, to crack a smile towards the, uh, towards the end of the episode. Actually, at the very end of the episode, he goes to bed, you know, giggling about, you know, <laughs> giggling about diarrhea and it, how it runs in your genes. And so they close their eyes, they wake up, and uh, they're confronted by a couple of kids. And um, we'll, you know, we'll uh, find out who they are, which I think a lot of you guys know who they are. Uh, Teresa was like, hey, who, who are they? Who are they? Like, she was like, 
I, I was like, you're gonna have to wait a week. And then she goes, <laughs> just tell me. I go, do you really want me to spoil it for you? And and she goes, yes. And I told her who they were. And so, man, I um, every week this show surprises me. You know, after episode one, I think both of us had this like, or at least more of me than you. But I was kind of like, man. The Ellie character is so closed off, so guarded, and then we see the layers peel back more and more as she puts more trust in Joel and how, you know, she is becoming more and more loose and jokes more and, um, you know, has Joel's back, Joel has her back. They both realize, hey, we just have each other. We don't have anybody else. And even in this episode, I think Joel at the beginning was kind of like, you're just cargo to me. But, you know, as the episode plays on, even when he said it, I don't think he meant it. But I think he was thinking back on Tess and everything that he had. And now he's lost it. And basically he has this, quote, cargo. And then, you know, towards the uh, middle of the episode, they he kind of realizes, hey, I need her. She needs me. And we're one in one. And she's not cargo. She's uh, she's a living, breathing human person who reminds me of the innocence that I lost with my own daughter. Right. They, they're not necessarily the same, but I think he sees glimpses of his own daughter in Ellie. And so which I think, you know, resonates in the video game as well. And so I think they did a, a really good job of following kind of that arc and the new stuff they added in with the Kathleen, the new Kathleen character and um, kind of differing away from the, I'm do, using air quotes, Pittsburgh in the video game versus the Kansas City. Um, just the way that they've kind of used these characters and given these people, these rebels in Kansas City, like they said in the after show, uh, a face, emotion, they're people too. Like, they're not, you know, I think one of the things that The Walking Dead didn't do very well was they didn't, you know, humanize some of their villains. And which I think, I take it back. They did a good job of humanizing some of their villains. But I think the kind of the one-off villains, they, they like the ones that are kind of ambushing them and stuff like that, they didn't really do. This one, on the other hand, though, man, like, who who's that kid in the uh, in the store? Was that Henry? No, no, it was... The one that uh, got, gets shot in the spine. I forget oh, his name. Oh, yeah. I forget his name. But, yeah, he was. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. But but even then, in that quick second, he's calling for his mom. Everybody can relate to, you know, calling for their mom in, in, in a time of need. And then he gets, you know, he gets basically beaten to death by Joel. Um, and, uh, you know, even when he's kind of laid there out for Kathleen, they kind of talk about him and they do a very good job of humanizing that one character that was on screen for less than two, three minutes. So this is, a, this is what I love about the show. Uh, one, of the reason, one of the things that I love about the show is the way that they portray everybody and not just the, the, uh, the antagonists. Yeah, they, they, they do a great job of like, if we were watching it from Kathleen and, and Pierce's perspective, I feel like we'd be saying a lot of different things. Like how could those people do that to the, to the young guy? And, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it plays with your perspective on it. And, and I think they did a great job of adapting that the change to Kansas city from Pittsburgh to Kansas city really, I think is, I mean, it, it doesn't really, it wasn't like a big deal that it was in Pittsburgh. I think it was just the location. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I think that was fine. Like the adjustments make sense for the, for the show and, and how they can paint these pictures of these other characters at the same time. Because like with the game, you're focused on Joel and Ellie and you don't really have those cutaways to what the villains are thinking, what the other characters in your other storylines are doing or thinking. So this, while it does focus on Joel and Ellie, obviously a lot and in terms of their growing relationship and the, the growth of the relationship as it gets less and less like closed off and more like they're open with each other slowly but surely. Um, and this allows though, that you get those moments with Kathleen and, and with them to, to understand what they're going through at the same time and what they fought. Cause I'm assuming they're the resistance that's fought against Fedra um, and maybe even against the Fireflies, who knows? Because this is a whole different group compared to the Fireflies. Yeah, for sure. Um, this, The motivation for them are completely different. I like the way that, you know, um, the leader Kathleen, the way that they set her up is very quick, but very like the demeanor of her was she's a pretty fierce leader. She just, after she finds these, you know, uh, resistance members get shot down and killed she orders them to go look for whoever was sent here um sent uh, to help uh you know the the members that are not you know following their orders essentially um and she goes back and she kills the doctor immediately and She's like she's pretty ruthless, man. Like, and she has the support, the full support of of the people that have followed her, and that's 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 a lot of power, man. Like, that's that's a lot of power. That's a lot of strength. Um, and yeah, she's she's pretty ruthless. Yeah, I mean, what's funny is I remember her from uh, what was it, Two and a Half Men? Yeah, that show years ago, and I was like, because I was like, I know that lady, and then I was like, oh, it's her. Wow, this is such a vastly, vastly different character mm-hmm. uh, for her to be this like, yeah, this like intimidating, scary force. But this force that you can maybe relate to, but at the same time, I think they talked about it in the after episode bit about, yeah, you have this resistance, but maybe they're not the I forget how they say it in there. But it's like it's maybe it's not the best thing that they take over because then they start, you know, blasting down doors, searching for these people and you know, maybe they are not the greatest of people at the same time. It's like it's very murky as to who what the goals are for these people. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. People and what they're trying to do and achieve and... Who are they looking for? Obviously, it seems like the two characters at the end. I don't know if we want to say who they are, but, um, you know, what what is their ultimate goal with those two here in this in this live action telling of the story? Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of obvious who they are. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they're the Kathleen and, and this resistance group is are looking for Henry. And I think the other kids, uh, the other person's name was Sam. So yeah. they're, I mean, they're essentially looking for those two and, um, you kind of get the 
hint that at the end they are those two people. They're very very young, um, so you you know that you. Uh, I guess we won't get too much into their characters, but yeah, that's that's who they're looking for. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what it it seems to be. And and now they've obviously have met up with Joel and Ellie. So we'll see what happens with the, with the four of them in the next episode. Um, but going back to like Joel and Ellie, I think, I think what's interesting when you mentioned that earlier about like, you know, Joel calls her cargo. I, I feel like that's definitely him just kind of trying to keep himself distant and keep reminding himself more so than her, like that she's just cargo, like to not get attached. Don't care. Like she's just cargo, just need to get through it. But then as like, as we see with the episode, he realizes that she's more than that, obviously, but also too, she can kind of take care of herself um, to a certain extent and help Joel in, in different ways rather than just be hiding in different spots or, or running away or anything like that. She can definitely help Joel out in a pinch. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, Joel also kind of, protects her in, in, in a way where he's just like, hey, like, I, I know the stuff that you've gone through. Uh, it sucks. And um, there there isn't a rhyme or reason where a child should uh, a child should go through some of the stuff that, you know, you've gone through. And I think, you know, he kind of voiced that to her. He was like, you're too young to you know, go through killing somebody or going going through experiencing something like this. And, you know, it's revealed that, hey, I've actually done it before. It doesn't, but that doesn't, you know, mean that it gets easier. And so he's trying to spare her innocence where he's like, you're a kid, man. Like, you shouldn't be going through something like this. Once this, once your first time killing somebody, something like this happens, like there's no going back. Your innocence is essentially essentially taken away, and Joel wanted to preserve that. And um, little to did he know that he couldn't. But even then, though, like you limit, you know, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to constantly put death in front of a kid like that, you know, like, and you know, and I'm sure he he definitely appreciated it that she saved him and had his back, which yeah. showed, you know, he showed her by not saying it. He showed her by saying thank you by giving her her gun back. It's like, here, mm-hmm. here, here you go. How do you point it? You know, like that. So there's a lot of growth there, man. Like uh, I, I, the the thing that goes, I think, unsaid that I think is very criminally underrated. I don't know if it's criminally underrated, but it's underrated. Um, the growth that every character that we follow goes through um, and they're not stagnant. They're growing every episode. They get closer together. Um, they form this relationship. They're moving forward. They're not just walking or they're not just talking about nothing. They're actually having deep conversations, growing emotionally. And it wouldn't surprise me in the next couple episodes where Joel kind of opens up about, you know, oh, you know, back, you know, I did have a daughter like you, blah, blah, blah. And so, like, I think this growth is going to continue and we'll probably get. Uh, more i would i would imagine the pace would be even more picked up next episode even though this one was kind of a more action driven uh, uh episode but it also had its you know moments where it was very kind of like just dialogue right i would imagine right. episode 5 is going to be pretty um pretty 
you know, action heavy. I was wondering if, if the next episode kind of focuses on not quite like how episode three focused on Frank and, and Bill, but somehow gives us an idea of what Sam and Henry oh, had yeah. been happening with them and kind of interweave the story in, in that sense mm-hmm. with what's going on currently with what happened with Sam and Henry. Cause th- I guess this was the first episode where we really didn't have a flashback sequence no. in, in any way. It was just them on the road going forward or going West. And this was all about Joel and Ellie and all about their growing dynamics as, as they learn to, to trust each other and learn that both are capable, but at the same time need each other to survive as much as they probably don't want to admit it they need each other to 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 make it through oh yeah yeah uh, i mean it's it was pretty evident and uh you know um i think it's gonna get you know the relationship is gonna build even more and we're gonna get a very very strong bond between the two of them after this episode and um yeah i i mean i i think um you know the the, the henry and sam um arc is going to come into play a lot in episode uh, five, like you said. And yeah, like I, it makes sense to put in a um, kind of a background story of the two characters. Yeah. Just give us a, a, an understanding of what's going on with them and why should we care? And if it's anything like the game, I'm uh, man, it's going to be interesting to say the least. What did you think about the, uh, I guess they're hiding what seems to be like an infected emergence hole. That's how I compared it in my mind. It was like the Gears of War emergence holes, like trying to pop up. But like there's that moment where Kathleen and Pierce check out this building and the the ground is like moving or doing something. I'm guessing there's a, about to be a, a sprouting of some kind. Yeah, it's like it was like pulsating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I was like, oh, you, you, I think you have to present some kind of danger with the fungus, right? Like we haven't had, we we haven't seen a clicker in in a hot minute, right? It's been, it's been a while since we saw a clicker, right? Like we haven't seen one since Ellie killed one. Uh, not since episode, well infected. Yeah. We haven't seen one since yeah episode three where they, where she stabs that one. But yeah, clickers and all that was mainly episode two. Yeah. So, you know, adding that element of danger, I think, is uh, is is much needed. And uh, they, you know, obviously can't stay there. So those people are going to have to find out, figure out a way to get themselves out of this danger. And I like the way that they've added this potential, like, oh, you know, like there's something's going to happen because, you know, like I feel like, you know, in a show like this, you can't get too comfortable. Oh, no, you can't. You can't at all. <laughs> But and I wonder like I wonder why they're trying to hide that maybe not hide it but why why aren't they like maybe maybe we should like I don't know collapse something on that spot or do something I don't know maybe we should try and like make sure nothing pops out I don't know maybe <laughs> maybe they were, they just they just like swept it under the rug and was like uh yeah we're just going to we're going to we're going to go <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to close this door slowly and then I saw nothing <laughs> yeah I was just like um okay all right you guys deal with it the way you want to deal with it I guess because also, too, I'm imagining that we're going to start seeing the other different types of infected now, especially with the way that kind of the ground was shaking and all that mm-hmm. makes me think that it's it's going to be some of the bigger uh, infected that we have yet to see 
but we see in the games a lot. So I wonder. Um, I will say I did like the when when they crash the truck, which is very similar to how it happens in the game. Mm -hmm. But like the the characters shouting in the background, like cursing at them and stuff. That that moment took me like prime. Like we're playing the video game right now because that's how the the villains would act in the game is they would be yelling like we got you blah 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 we, we could see you or you know they would be yelling like different things off uh off screen you hear their voices echo it was like man this puts me right back into the video game for sure i'm not even just this video game but like any video game that you ever play where you're just kind of like taking your sweet time you just and then randomly the the enemy that knows that you're there will scream something at you yeah, like yeah just, exactly like i you know spider-man does that too where like it's well in miles morales where you you know you go invisible um they they'll be like we know you're here somewhere blah 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 and then they'll eventually it'll stop but it's just like yeah like it's like oh that's like a cool nice little element that they threw in there i mean it makes sense you know neil Druckmann is the basically the creator of the video game right yeah for sure it it was it was a cool like i i liked i liked that touch it just felt very reminiscent of the game but again like it, it finds ways to like pay homage to the game but not take you away from the story but like it, it, it balances really, really well with how they balance being faithful to the games, but being faithful to this new medium of telling the story. And it's just it, they do it so almost effortless, effortlessly that it's like, why can't more folks do this? Because it's just they do it so well. They oh, make yeah. it seem easy, I guess. Yeah, and uh, like I said, it makes it so much easier when you're actually working together with the uh the the video game correct creator rather than you know going against it and so it's uh it's a it's a good thing that uh you know they're they've they 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 i think what they are are they're storytellers first they're not yeah. video game writers they're not they're not you know they're not they're not designers they're actual good writers and they developed a story that was perfect for television and so it was just a perfect you know it's a perfect storm of uh, in a sense and it's uh it just i mean it just works it, it works uh, very much so uh it's it's been man it's they do such a great job i just i love the writing of the show i love the direction that they've gone with the characters i'm loving pedro pascal and and bella ramsey they've nailed the characters of joel and ellie so far I really liked Bella's performance in this one, especially like uncovering more about her and, and maybe not like learning more about her, but her trying to use the, the Will Livingston pun book as a way to kind of <laughs> break apart the, the, I don't want to say tension, but like the, the shell of Joel in a, in a sense. So it's, it's funny that that was a good pun can always crack a smile. Yeah. And uh, hey, uh, why are these pages stuck together? <laughs> he's like, oh, he's like, God, oh, put that down. He goes, just kidding. I'm like, man, a girl that young knowing why the pages are stuck together, or making a joke about pages being stuck together, just like, oh, okay, like you, you know, like you know, we have to remind ourselves, like you know, kids that have grown up in uh, uh, during this uh, era of time, like they just they grow up a lot faster. They they see a lot more and. You know, they just, they're not, you know, kids. They're, they get to be adults really soon, real soon. 
yeah, you can't have a normal childhood in no. this life because no. it's too, I mean, it's too dangerous. There's no way you can have a normal childhood. And like they, they touch on that a little bit with like Ellie and Joel, like when they're hiding in that, that bar or whatever, and they get out the gun and Ellie or Ellie shows Joel how she holds the gun and it was like, oh, Fedra taught us to hold it like this. And he's like, no, you want to put your thumb here. Dude. Like, like he's actually teaching her. But it's like, yeah, from a young age in this Fedra school, they were already learning how to use weapons and everything. Like, it's just this is not a kid world. This is not a kid friendly world. Yeah. Um, and then there was a slight tweak in the uh, Tommy Joel relationship. Um, I think in the video game, they were, you know, con- had con- they had communication and then um, in the in the show, they haven't seemed like they've been talking for whew, handful of years um, mm-hmm. without seeing each other. And you know, they uh, and another um, aspect of peeling back the layer of which is Joel is him actually opening about opening up about his brother and how he basically calls him a joiner, a follower, um, and he kind of like. Opens about open up opens up about his brother to Ellie. Yeah, yeah. We learn a lot more about Tommy in the sense of you know him being in Desert Storm, being a, a soldier. He was the one that helped convince Joel to join a group to head to Boston. Um, Tommy was the one that met Marlene, mm-hmm. joined them, joined the Fireflies, but then quit. Like it's it was interesting to get that like sense of 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 what Tommy was up to and what Tommy has done. I'm curious if we'll get some flashbacks to that, you know, them talking about traveling with the group to Boston. I wonder if we'll get some flashbacks with him and Tommy together with that supposed group. And we see and understand that, you know, cause like, what was that one question? Ellie asked him, have you ever killed somebody that was innocent? And Mm. he didn't respond. So it's like, and then did you do, how'd you know that guy wasn't really hurt? And he's like, well, I've done that before. I've been on both sides of it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, what? Like Joel, while he we he's the hero of this story. Well, is he a hero? I don't know that he's truly a hero. He's he's very much a person that's been thrust into a different situation. And I don't know. It's it's he's maybe not the best of people, honestly. He's the hero in this point of view, the way that the story yeah. is being told. He's the protagonist in this view. Now, if we made a whole series about how Kathleen and their group had got put together and she overthrew Fedra and she was, you know, you, it's all about how you're telling the story. And if, if you told it that way, uh, yeah, Kathleen will probably be made up like a hero, right? And so, right. like, it's uh, it's just all about perspective. And, hell, like, if you really wanted to tell it, like, Thanos could be a hero in certain <laughs> perspective. Um, uh, we, we, we I watched, you know, Wakanda Forever again, and a big thing that they did was they made sure that to his people, Namor was a hero. And in a lot of aspects, if you really look at it, he could be considered a hero, right? So it's all about perspective. And in, in this one perspective, this is our heroes. These are the people that we're following. They're our protagonists, and everybody else is our antagonist. So, mm-hmm. And, they, I mean, that's what helps make a good story a great story is oh, when yeah. you have those 
those battle of perspectives where it's like, well, they're not really all that bad. They're just trying to protect their people or whatever the case. Like if when you get that understanding of what your antagonist is trying to do or or maybe they're not all bad, and which that's kind of like normal life. Not everyone's all just it's not all black and white, like hero versus villain. There's a lot of gray to to our world and this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's uh yeah it parallels very well with uh you know I mean these are extremes but it parallels to you know these relationships that we form and that we dissolve in you know our everyday lives which you know like th- these are extremes like I said but you know it mirrors very well with uh, the stuff that other people deal with day in and day out so it's uh that's another reason why I think a lot of people gravitate to the show love it and they just it's it's Getting, I don't know if any of these episodes can can uh, top t- uh, episode three. Well, I think the final episode, or I guess the final episode that is based off the first video game, will top the the third episode from an uh, kind of a action and emotional standpoint. It'll have everything, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, the the writing and the storytelling and the action. It's so good. It's going to be a constant nine like a nine rating all the way throughout the season. Yeah. Like the last episode, I mean, I I think the last episode was better, but that was arguably one of the best episodes of TV we've seen. So Mm -hmm. it's like, how do you, there's, there's hardly any way you can maybe match that is there was going to be some kind of come down from that. Um, But I thought it it handled, it handled, they handled it very well. I thought it, I thought it worked well. And it still was a very, it was still a very good episode. I, I enjoyed this episode a lot, and I'm really curious to see where where it goes from here. And especially with the introduction of Sam and Henry, which is something I've been wondering how this live action interpretation is going to handle um, adapting those two to the to the to this story that we're we're seeing. Yeah, um, yeah. Episode five is going to be fantastic. Like like. <laughs> I want to say this from here on out. Like, I just, you know, there's not many shows where you're like, oh, man, I can't wait for the next one. It's going to be fantastic. You know, even like Game of Thrones, when they, when they were on their high, you're like, you always expected a down, uh, uh, like a filler episode. This one doesn't seem like there's any filler episodes. And if they're filler episodes, they're episode three. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we we barely got, you know, Tess, Joel, and Ellie in episode three. You know, we got flashbacks of Tess and Joel and the beginning and they booked ended the episode driving in and out of, you know, where Frank and Bill were. But, you know, other than that, the majority story was filler filled by two people that we've never that we never see again. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's it's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, and, and since we're on the subject of episode three, I did read this earlier. Um, the song Long Long Time, you know, that was like the big song from episode three. Uh, within an hour, Spotify, uh, after the episode, within an hour, Spotify says streams of the song jumped a massive 4,900%. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that <laughs> it's amazing what what the show has done for for stuff like this and introducing people to some of these uh, older songs. Yeah, it's uh and I think this isn't the first show to to do it. You know, we've seen no, no. a lot of streaming shows do this. Like Stranger Things was one of them. Um I I think to a certain extent Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 um brought back a, a lot of cult classic songs. 
Um, and I love the fact that these pop culture, you know, these these shows and movies do this for for other genres like like music and um, you know, like uh, Wednesday did uh, did the same thing. And it's uh, it's 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 awesome to see like. Uh, these different, you know, platforms and mediums cross and and basically promote each other. Yeah, for sure. It's it's really cool. Um, and I guess, I mean, I don't think that was all my notes I had for for episode four. Did you have any other notes you wanted to bring up, John? No, no. This is actually perfect timing because I gotta I gotta broadcast. I gotta go go uh, set up for. Well, perfect, because we are done with issue 469 of Comic Cast. Thank you all for listening in and, and talking or listening to us talk about Last of Us, and we look forward to episode five. But first, as always, you can follow us on social media. I'm at Producer Mike975. And I am at One Punch. And we'll talk to you guys about Last of Us some more next week. Mm-hmm.